Well, friends, welcome back uh, to church uh, this evening, or welcome if you've joined us for the first time. Uh, we're going to be finishing off our uh, study in the life of Daniel uh, from the Old Testament, thinking about uh, perhaps the most famous incident in his life, the, uh, the time where he finds himself in the den of lions. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're going to hear uh, from God's word. Our call to worship comes from the book of Philippians. Paul's letter written from a prison cell where he says rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Following Jesus doesn't mean that we never suffer. The Bible is realistic about that. But it does say in Jesus we can have a deep joy and we can know God's presence and God's help through our suffering. And we have this invitation to, to pray and to seek the peace of God. And we're going to see uh, Daniel do that when we get there in a few minutes. But before we do, we're going to sing a hymn. We're going to sing the hymn Cornerstone. And then we're very glad to have the help of a couple of our students in our service this evening. So Gideon Haffenden is going to pray. And then Grace Corley is going to read for us from Daniel chapter 6. So let's sing and then we'll pray and then we'll hear God's word. So uh, we come to uh, Daniel chapter 6. And I'm calling the, this sermon uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, uh, borrowing uh, the title of a Eugene Peterson book. Now I'm guessing the story is familiar to uh, most of you. But I wonder in your mind, how old is Daniel uh, at this stage? I did some, I wouldn't say extensive uh, research into the, the children's uh, storybook Bibles we've got at home. But uh, for some, uh, the illustrators uh, keep Daniel at basically the same age, chapters one to chapter six. Maybe he gets a tiny bit older. Uh, but others, uh, more helpfully, uh, show him in old age because the reality is Daniel chapter 6 takes place when Daniel is in his 80s most likely. Here is a portrait of a mature godly believer like Joseph in the book of Genesis who we studied early in the year. He spends decades serving a foreign king in a foreign empire but he never lost his core identity of being a child of God and belonging to God's people. And he is presented to us, Daniel is presented really as a model believer for the exiles because he is consistent in walking with God, in trusting in his God, in refusing to compromise. And then we remember Peter's words in the New Testament saying to the, the church, the suffering church, uh, that we are living as exiles. Therefore, we can learn too uh, from the story of Daniel. 
So let's begin to look for the last time uh, at his story. We see, first of all, a life of integrity in the first five verses. Now, Daniel chapter one to six has spanned um, three royal courts, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and now Darius. This is the second empire that we meet. The Babylonians have now been replaced by the Persians. And Daniel has spent some 60 plus years serving uh, these foreign empires, foreign kings. And now we see he's one of uh, the leading three as Darius looks to appoint 120 satraps to rule his vast empire. There's three at the head of that. And Darius aims uh, to promote Daniel uh, right to the top. Plans set him over the whole kingdom. And this is amazing. A, a, a career in the royal court that spans over 60 years, avoiding uh, the long knives and the power plays within the royal court, all the battling and jockeying for position. His too is a life that stands up to scrutiny. You know, when we think about the background work that's done on our political candidates, uh, the skeletons in the closet that people look for, the digging of dirt uh, to, to make sure here is a candidate uh, for prime minister or presidency um, that uh, we believe will pass scrutiny. Well, Daniel's been there for 60 years and his work is described in glowing terms. Daniel so distinguished himself because his work is exceptional. And we need to recognise that God has gifted Daniel. God has a purpose for Daniel that through his life, God's glory will be seen in the Babylonian Empire. So, so God gifts him. So his work is exceptional. But we also see in Daniel's character there is integrity. He is somebody who is trustworthy. He is hardworking. He has attention to detail. So his rivals conclude in verse 5, we will never find any basis for charges against this man unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they want to get rid of Daniel, this exile, and they think of a new point of attack, and that's his faith. And that's striking too. Here is uh, Daniel working for 60 years in uh, pagan empires, uh, surrounded by uh, idolatry, and he is known in this court for his faith, for honouring and walking in obedience to God and his laws. So we have here a wonderful portrait of a man who has learned how to live well as an exile. Just like the letter of Jeremiah uh, called the exiles to, he is seeking the peace and prosperity uh, of his city. He's working for the good of the king and for the nation. But we also see that he's working for God's glory and not his own. There is no hint of moral compromise. He's not stepping on others to get ahead. He's not squashing down his beliefs, blending in in order to get to the top. Wouldn't this be a great way for others to speak of us? Where they would recognise in us that we were a people who were looking to bless others in the quality of our work. Looking to be a blessing in how we relate to others in the workplace, able to integrate our faith and our work in a positive way. 
let me uh, encourage you uh, to pray for yourself as a worker, to pray for other Christians you know uh, in their workplace, to recognise work as a key frontline mission for you. Um, that we would be praying for each other to have wisdom and integrity, to work hard, to be a blessing, uh, to have opportunities to bring glory to God in how we work. But recognise too there's realism here, that for the Christian the workplace may bring persecution. It may bring opposition. And so it's important for us uh, to stand firm in our trust of God. The next uh, part of the story sees a test of faith for Daniel. In verses 6 to 9, the trap is set. These royal officials who want to get rid of Daniel, uh, they think, well, let's work on the king's pride. They come to the king and they say, here's a, here's a great new law to enact why don't you claim the status of God for 30 days, a month of being divine? And Darius in his pride says, okay, let's do it. And because of that, Daniel's public faith is under attack. It is conform or die. It is stop praying or face the den of lions. Now, how is Daniel going to react? And here is where we see an aspect of Daniel's long obedience in the same direction. Back in chapter 1, Daniel refused the king's diet. He wanted freedom to show loyalty to God first, God most of all. Now, it's with prayer. And he will not dishonour God. He will not waver in his faith. So we see when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Nothing changes. He still wants to honour. And there's a beautiful balance to his prayer life. Did you notice he still begins with thanksgiving? It's his relationship with God that he treasures and that's not dependent on his circumstances. His focus is on God and the life that he enjoys from God, the salvation that he has, the place in that covenant relationship. That's what sets the tone for his prayers. In a sense, it reminded me of the Lord's Prayer, that model that Jesus gave to his disciples. To see first who it is that we pray to, to remember our Father in heaven, to pray for his kingdom, uh, to recognise his holiness, to be concerned about his glory and honour. And as we have that perspective, that then helps how we pray for ourselves, how we pray about our situations as we remember this is the God that we know. The God who is in heaven, who is our Father, who is building his kingdom, who is pursuing and working out his glory. So Daniel prays with thanksgiving and then he prays asking for help. And again, we've seen this as a pattern in Daniel's life back in chapter two. King Nebuchadnezzar that time has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. Uh, he threatens to kill all the wise men, including Daniel and his friends. What does Daniel do? He pulls them together for a prayer meeting. 
uh, so that God might give them wisdom so that their lives and the lives of the others might be spared. So here is Daniel, as is his pattern, praying three times a day. Can you imagine the temptation he was facing? Or perhaps uh, people sort of encouraging him in a different course of action. You know, think of your position, Daniel. Think of the influence that you have. Don't give that up. It's only 30 days. Just keep the windows closed. Just do it in private. God will understand. But what we see in Daniel is that where his nation had folded, compromising and giving up on worship, Daniel holds firm. And it's in his unchanging pattern of worship that we, that the exiles, that Babylon will have the chance to see God's faithfulness and God's deliverance. It's striking too that he resists the cultural idols that can so often have a tight grip on our heart. Daniel wasn't driven by success. He would choose faithfulness to God over uh, pursuing being number one in the kingdom. He wasn't living for that status. He was living for God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. He wasn't uh, dominated by a drive for security and comfort, but was willing to risk and to give his life to honour God. For you and me, when we feel the pull of those cultural idols, in order for us to give glory to God, we will do that only if Jesus Christ is our treasure, if he truly is our centre, if we see that knowing him, being approved by him, knowing that in Jesus we are adopted into the family of God, that we have uh, treasure in heaven and hope for eternity, only if we see that as everything. If we see to live as Christ and to die as gain, only then uh, can we lay aside those idols that can strangle uh, our faith in God. Uh, Daniel here puts me to mind of another old believer, Polycarp. Uh, the Bishop of Smyrna uh, in the early church. And as he was facing his own martyrdom and death, he said, 80 and six years have I served Christ and he has never done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? Perhaps today's a good day to reflect honestly what is my hope? Who is my hope in life and death? The story then moves on with the focus on the divine rescue in verse 12 to 23. So the trap has been sprung. David, Daniel continues to pray. Daniel is clearly being hunted because there are, there are men who are watching for him to pray, they are in for the kill and they take the message immediately to Darius. They said to the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles, he's an outsider, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays 
three times a day. And perhaps this is the point where Darius recognises he's been trapped. He had no idea that foolish law was politically motivated. But he has no way out. He's distressed. Uh, he's trying to find a way to save him. Uh, but uh, his officials insist. Hey, you wrote this down according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians and that law can't be broken. So Daniel here is facing certain death. And again, we think about the pattern in the story of uh, the book of Daniel, similar to chapter 3. Uh, there, uh, Daniel's friends were facing the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar built a, a huge statue to his own glory, demanding people worship. And Shadrach, Meshach, Medigo, they say no. But it's different there. There is a refusal to commit the sin of idolatry. But here, Daniel is refusing to omit true worship. And maybe here, when we think about uh, living out our Christian faith in public, here are the two challenges, two sides, two temptations for us. On the one hand, a temptation to follow uh, sinful patterns, the values of the world to pursue uh, what the world uh, would treasure and hold dearest. But then on the other hand, there's that temptation to keep faith private, uh, to live uh, a double life, uh, to conceal as best as we can our Christian identity. And now comes one of the mega themes of Daniel, um, where we see a confrontation uh, between uh, the true God of Israel and uh, kings and nations and empires that are opposed to God. Except there's hardly any contest, as you would expect. The one true God is greater and gains victory over the false gods. And here, uh, there's so much kind of irony. It's almost uh, comedic, uh, the contrast between this self-appointed 30-day God King Darius, not really very divine at all, versus the Most High God of Heaven. Look at how Darius is described in verse fourteen. Uh, you know, we should only pray to him. He's he's God for a month, but he's distressed. In verse fourteen and fifteen, he's unable to rescue Daniel, though he wants to. In verse 15, it becomes clear he has no control or wisdom in the situation because he's been tricked by his own officials. In verse 18, here is this false self-appointed God who is restless. He can't sleep. He can't eat. He has limited power. He cannot save. In fact, this false God's only hope, and he's very honest about it, may your God, Daniel, whom you serve continually rescue you. I can't. Perhaps your God can. Taking the position of God, Darius has no peace. Whereas Daniel is living under the rule of God, living as he is supposed to and as we are supposed to, and he, by contrast, he has perfect peace. So Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. It gets all sealed up for the night. First light of dawn, the king comes back. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And what do we discover? We discover Daniel has been sleeping peacefully among the lions. Maybe the children's storybook Bibles have got it right there, that the angel has so protected Daniel, he's able to 
So I snuggle up to the lions for warmth. And what does he say? My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the, of the lions. God has saved. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in God's sight. God has judged him and God has vindicated him. And the conclusion of our author is this. No wound was found on him, on Daniel, because he trusted in God. Daniel survives because he honours God. And so God has honoured him. Now, what can we learn as we think about this part of the story? We recognise that life as an exile, life as one of God's people can be dangerous. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. If they hated me, they'll hate you. We will almost certainly face opposition, but we can never be hurt beyond God's permission. And we need to recognise that God does allow suffering. In all of that, the Lord is our true judge and we are called to live for his final verdict. It's his approval we want. Daniel 6 anticipates for us future judgment on the day of the Lord. Because when we look around church history, when we look around the world today, maybe even if we think about our own experience, martyrs still die. There is a church that is fiercely persecuted in many parts of the world. And there is not always relief. So it's not as simple as to say, trust in God and we will always be delivered. But it is saying, trust God and in the end, God will give a positive verdict on the life of those who are trusting in Jesus. So knowing that reality, what is the hope for the Christian? Where do we find hope as we suffer? Maybe today, and we think about suffering today. How, how do we find hope? Well, we need to look back and we need to recognise Jesus, our Saviour, who enters into a world of suffering and endures suffering and faces death. Jesus goes into his lion's den for us. And now Jesus is in suffering and trials with us. He doesn't leave us on our own. So we look back and we know that God loves us even when we suffer. But we also look forward. We look forward with hope to the resurrection and glory to come, eternal life to come when death will be swallowed up in victory. We look and we see that Jesus was raised to glory and as it was with him, so we too will be raised to glory for trusting in him. So we look back to see what Jesus has done. We look ahead to our destiny, our future with Jesus, and we look in to the gospel to keep reminding ourselves of the love and the compassion and the mercy of God through Jesus and by the Spirit. And the last thing we see in Daniel's history is a life that is honoured. Here is a final scene in uh, Daniel's history as we're presented with it. And in verse 28, we're told Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. The Lord prospered him. He had been raised up and he had been honoured 
And he is a man who lived that long walk of obedience in the same direction. His enemies who tried to bring him down in verse 24, uh, they face Darius' punishment. Uh, just as we've seen in every chapter so far, uh, it concludes with another pagan king praising Daniel's God. Another open letter goes out around the empire. There's only one true God and guess what? It's not me. Darius recognises Daniel's God is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom endures forever. He does powerful works. He is the God who saves and rescues. And so we see that Daniel's life story provides a unique way for God's victory and God's rule over empires against opposition to be seen. Because of his faith. Because of his obedience. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, uh, we read that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's Daniel and that's Daniel's faith. It's a faith that allowed the greatness of God to be seen. It's a pattern for us as exiles. He lived knowing that God is there and he lived for God's reward, not any reward that the world could offer. And that's how we are called to live, to live that long walk of obedience in the same direction for the glory of God and the good of others. So Daniel gives us a wonderful pattern, but he also presents a shadow of a greater than Daniel who was to come. He prepares the way for Jesus. Jesus too would be falsely accused by enemies. He too would be condemned. He also would be cast into darkness, not the darkness of a lion's den, but the darkness of, of facing God's anger against sin there on the cross as he became the sin bearer of the world. Doing that for us, for all those times when we compromise with our faith, for all of those times where we fail to speak up for God or where we fail to live to honour him. But praise God, there was no uh, sin in Jesus. So death had no claim on him. Death had no hold of him. And three days later, Jesus uh, rose from the dead. Risen by the power of God. Uh, God's final verdict on Jesus that he was satisfied with that sacrifice. He is vindicated, honoured and glorified by his Father. A verdict that we share as his people. So we are called in the story of Daniel and by the story of Jesus to trust Jesus, to walk by faith, to make that long walk of obedience ourselves. Now let's uh, sing. Let's sing praise uh, to God, our King, God, our great hope. And we're going to sing Psalm 96 verses 1 to 10 and then we're going to sing the hymn Christ our hope in life and death. And let's pray together. Father we're so thankful uh, for uh, the example of Daniel. Thank you for his consistent prayerful life of faith 
seeking to be a blessing to others, working hard and working well for your glory and for the good of those around him. Thank you for his refusal to compromise as he looked to you and to your reward. And we pray that you would so fill our hearts and minds with the Lord Jesus to make him our treasure, that we would be able to do likewise. Please use us this week in whatever we have to do. Help us to do it for your glory and for the sake of the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just to remind you that there is a Monday night prayer and our community groups meet again this coming Wednesday. Okay, take care.